you lie awake and ponder ponds of microscopic life? Expose yourself to exoplanets high up in the night? Are you crazed for kinematics? Do you fantasize of fauna? Everybody's got a question, luckily we're gonna Unpack the stack of facts that you think back to every day Attack your ignorance, you'll be unmatched in every way Sit down and lend an ear, all the answers will be clear I'm running out of rhymes, I'll let the host take it from here So Ellie, uh, I think we're gonna get started on kind of a different episode format today So I, I wanted to start off by asking, have you ever seen a UFO before? In the sense that, have I ever experienced an unidentified flying object in my life? Sure. Let, let's just start with the, the base definition. Have you ever seen any strange lights that didn't feel like they were from an airplane or something? I mean, every time I see any kind of aircraft, I get nervous. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, what if, what if that's the thing that kills me? Um, so I really just kind of have an irrational fear of, like, helicopters and mm -hmm. airplanes. I didn't so I know that. I feel like that almost counts. <laughs> but the only unidentified flying object that I can really think of is, like, a small spherical object when I was a kid that I mm -hmm. identified just too late was a baseball. <laughs> um, obviously, like, that conspiracy got fixed really quick. Mm -hmm. I took a baseball to the head. In, in hindsight, should have figured that out. That, that um, small white, mostly white, with a few red stitching. Maybe that's a baseball, not not a UFO. Yeah. It's, a, it's more of I was kind of a clumsy kid that tried to do sports than anything else. <laughs> so um, it's fair to say you're you're a little more skeptical of, of UFOs or phenomenon like that then. I mean, I'm not skeptical of UFOs in terms of the like base definition mm. of UFOs. Like I said, I've experienced many UFOs in my life, but they've all been... <laughs> Easily explained as everyday projectiles. So you're, you're going into the semantic argument real quick. I mean, if you're saying UFOs and aliens, I actually do believe in aliens. Well, that sounds like something that we should dissect. <laughs> I'm Nick Lemmer. I'm Ellie Weiss. Welcome to an everyday dissection. Uh, this is going to be a, a different episode. I yeah, think. we decided that last episode we spent so much time focusing on research right. and science that... Uh, this time we'd go in the total opposite direction and talk about conspiracies and pseudoscience. <laughs> we got really literally bogged down in the weeds with our last discussion uh, on, you know, a lot of various invasive species. And we decided let's have a kind of a fun one, make it a little different. And so I, I'm, I think we sort of established this dynamic in the podcast. I'm a little more open to a lot of kind of the crazier worlds of science. And I don't want to say I... I don't believe aliens have necessarily touched down on Earth or made contact, but I think I am I am much more open to the idea that aliens have visited than you have. I would say I feel reasonably confident that we have not met aliens. However, I do I've done some did some digging into like kind of the scientific consensus on aliens, which a lot of it comes from different theoretical mm -hmm. physics and some chemistry and even going into stuff like the Drake equation. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of research that's devoted to looking for signs of extraterrestrial mm -hmm. life. And it's kind of hard to find a lot of primary literature that really talks about it in the context of are there aliens or not? Because right. most of it is, hey, here's a cool chemistry paper about other planets. Yeah. Um, definitely but, the, the biggest issue in, in the, I don't want to say we didn't do research. We definitely, we did some poking around, tried to find opposing viewpoints, but at least in the stuff I was looking at, the, the biggest discrepancy I was finding between what we normally look at is 
with things that are maybe a little more kind of based on earth there's a lot more here's the proof here's what we've seen here's all these different reports and people have jot down stuff but with ufo sightings especially it's for whatever reason nobody wants to like take it seriously enough to actually write these down or the people that do take it seriously are invested enough in it have such a like clear wild bias that it don't like whatever they're <laughs> reading or whatever they're writing becomes like almost useless because it, it's so swayed in one direction yeah so what i did my do google scholar search i found a bunch of stuff in like the theoretical physics realm which was very cool mm -hmm. so i read uh, quite a bit about the drake equation and i kind of just was looking around to try to find some kind of consensus and so what i found is that at least within the field, and this is, again, to my understanding, I did a quick primary literature dive. And what I found is that people are kind of in the boat of, we're not a unique anomaly, that there's mm -hmm. some form of life on another planet, but it might look very different from us. And so the, the other side of that coin is that because that life might look so different from ours, our strategy is mostly when we're looking for extraterrestrial life, mm -hmm. is to look for planets that are just like Earth. The, the golden effect. Yeah, but that there could be other, there could be life that was developed in a totally separate environment and evolved completely differently to the point where we might have do, trouble finding it. Do Do we want to bring up the the most recent sort of developments now, or do we want to save that towards the end when we're getting a little less speculative? No, oh, I think the Venus stuff is really cool. Okay, <laughs> all right, about so it right we, now. we're just talk about it. Right uh, now. So this is like as of when we were recording this, like even just a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. We got the, we read all the reports, the, the report about finding phosphine on, on Venus, which in, on Earth is caused by an anaerobic, which is a without oxygen mm -hmm. respiration process in bacteria. So what, I'm, I'm going to try and, and find the easiest explanation, not explanation, but just explanation of what this was. So what does what this bacteria, what does the presence of this bacteria really mean? So there's there's not even, they haven't definitively found like, okay. the bacteria. So phosphine gas in the levels that they found it is associated with, mm -hmm. on Earth when you find that level, it's associated with bacteria. Okay, okay. So there's a potential sign of life. But it's... But it's not actually a sign of life. And, and to, as far as we've seen so far, this, this phosphate has only been developing in like the clouds of Venus that we've yeah. seen. We haven't like noticed any other spikes elsewhere on the planet. Right. So they, they did make it very clear during the interviews mm -hmm. that no, we did not definitively <laughs> find life on Venus, but they're not sure what the cause is. Mm -hmm. So what I think is cool about this is that even if it's not a sign of life, it's likely a sign of like a new chemical process mm -hmm. that we don't understand. Which is by itself pretty cool. So even if we don't find life on Venus, we still found a new cool thing in mm -hmm. space and on Venus that doesn't exist on Earth. And it's another like fun thing that we can research and learn something new about our universe. Like, okay, for me that is sufficiently cool, and we should check that out. Sure. I mean, that's, I definitely it seems like we're going to be investing a little bit more research, especially since we found this. You know, I guess. Time will tell. We can't predict the future at the time of this recording. But I mean, th th it went trending on Twitter, which is nowadays how you know something is piquing people's interest. So Yeah, it was a very high-profile publication as well. Mm -hmm. So I would be shocked if there was not subsequent studies that are probably even already already started. And So if you... Um, can you make any sort of guess on what you think this means for Venus in the meantime? Um, is it just way too early to even try and hypothesize? 
what we think is happening. Yeah, so I mean, you can, you can look at what that what the team has been saying, which mm-hmm. is mostly just that this is, from what we know about it on Earth, this can be a sign of like bacteria that have mm-hmm. evolved to an extreme environment, which Venus would be considered an extreme so environment. Slightly extreme. And so it's not a no, but it's certainly not a yes. Okay. Like we are not anywhere near the realm of we can say there's life on Venus, mm-hmm. but we can say that there's something that keeps us from saying, no, there's no life on Venus. Okay. Does that make sense? Like we're, we're, we've exited the realm of right. there's no possibility. Yeah. But I would still say that it's, I would say that if I were to hedge my bets, there's pr- new cool chemical process seems right. more likely than bacteria that's a lot like Earth bacteria. I was say it seems we're probably not getting multi-celled organisms at all, but we might be in the middle of like kind of a new new cells or new bacteria in that realm. Maybe kind there's of something cool going on on Venus, <laughs> and I really hope we're gonna figure out what it is. As much as we can say, that is about all I feel like I can say interpreting what I've okay. heard from that research team. Well, so I guess now, now that we've, we've dipped our toes into the actual science of things, I, my real question for you is, do you think there is any chance whatsoever that, like, e- even in, like, the, the pre-real civilization eras of humanity, that there was some sort of visitor who came from elsewhere in the universe? There is such a, a deep sigh to the face you are making right now, where it's, it's like I'm asking you an impossible question. I understand that. Because it's one of those things where it's, you can't definitively mm-hmm. say no, but it is very, very hard for me to believe. So. That, that I, I see, what I see a lot of, especially with the early civilization stuff, is that people have decided that early civilizations weren't capable of doing those right. incredible things, and so they'd rather say that there's aliens. But I would prefer to believe that early humans were just super awesome so, and did all this stuff. So I, I want to be clear. I'm not, I'm not. I don't subscribe to like the ancient aliens thing. I like humans built Stonehenge, <laughs> slaves built the pyramids. That's ve- it's very easy to understand. We, yeah. we know that that was the case, and but yeah. But the thing that that trips me up personally is you know in. The little I watched of like Ancient Alien season one with my father, they there's a lot of reports from different civilizations like the Mayans, places out in like in Asia and China, Japan, like all these different like carvings and stuff. Of they kind they tend to refer to them as gods, but like godlike creatures or these strange flashing lights that just appeared in the sky. And I, I'm I'm very much I'm a most of that stuff can probably be chalked up to like an asteroid or a comet that kind of went too close to the earth that they would not have understood at that like there's a lot i understand there's a lot of like reasonable explanation like even even things like aurora borealis is probably something that freaked a lot of like pre-civilization cultures out but there are enough reports for me of these like strange phenomena in early like ancient times that i can't help but wonder if there was something it's certainly fun to think about it like right. that. Yeah, I... You're trying to shoot me down in, like, the nicest possible way. I can tell. <laughs> I, I kind of... I think I would re- repeat my my point there is that... I guess I also have something else to add to that. Not only that I think, you know, early civilizations were just as creative mm-hmm. as we were. Definitely. And they were looking for explanations for things that didn't make sense to mm-hmm. them at the time. And there's also, it's it's not just things like flashing lights that we see that are cross-cultural mm-hmm. from civilizations that didn't really have contact with each other. True. There's a lot of, like, 
different like lore and different like different creation stories and, and, even, and various like like the pyramids being built in both Egypt and in like South America like yeah. th- there's clearly something that humanity felt drawn to in right. different there's ways there's this sort of like creative convergent thought the that I feel myth. like yeah that I feel like the flashing lights kind of fits into sure. better than okay this one thing was the aliens mm-hmm. and then everything else was so I think that it's for me I find it very cool that mm-hmm. there's this kind of convergent creative process that humans went through. So you end up with similar creations, although they always have their own twist on them for in sure, different parts sure. of the world. Like, I think that's really cool. So what about what about more modern sightings? Like, let, let's kind of take it back to, we, we were looking before. Uh, I, I sort of, I, I was aware of this, but I don't talk about it nearly enough. Like, uh, things like Foo Fighters during World War II, not the band, but like the term Foo Fighters came from these like small cylindrical objects that, bomber pilots just saw and they, they didn't have a name for it so they just called them Foo Fighters and like there there's reports of that opening it happening across various militaries there's the the more recent uh the video reports from that the Pentagon released of these strange objects that Navy pilots found that even they're you know I don't want to say they don't have an explanation for but they are not providing a public explanation is kind of the most we can say. Yeah, I feel like a lot of modern alien conspiracy theories are born from the fact that one, governments for national security reasons mm. hit a lot of proprietary technology, and that's the case on for every country. Do, do we want to get into Area 51 now? Yeah, I think Area 51 is a really good example of that, where it's, um, they even, you know, there was even a, a whistle, a quote-unquote right. whistleblower. We know. We, I, I love conspiracies. I love reading up on weird, strange theories as much as the next guy. We've known what Area 51 is, like, basically since I was a child. Like, they, they, we know they built the stealth bomber there. We know they built, like, drones and other machines of war there. It's, it's kind of a boring explanation, which is why I think the myth of Area 51 persists so much. Like, we don't want to face the truth that they're just doing exactly what we assume the military is, which is building weapons. We, we liked imagining there's some sort of crazy conspiracy where they're like, they have to keep this from the public because it'll change everything. I feel like that gets into our, like, our main thing that we wanted to talk about, which was just conspiracy theories in general. Mm-hmm. Like, how do they happen and why are they so persistent? And it's, it's basically the idea that there's a mismatch between what the truth is and what we, what we want it to be. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is is secret alien base that's underground, there's like a crazy underground lab, is way cooler yeah. than... Oh, we built drone drones here in the fifties, and we didn't want anyone to know about that because then everyone would know mm. we had drones. If the Soviets find out we have these unmanned piloting things, would have been bad for everything going on at the time, especially with our government's position on Soviet relations at that time. It it makes sense, but it's very much in human nature to sort of look for the easiest explanation or the most exciting explanation sometimes? Yeah, I feel like, well, the idea is that either, like, there's something that is crazy complicated that we simplify into a conspiracy Mm -hmm. or something that's big and then ends up with a simple explanation and it almost feels disappointing and you're like, well, that can't be it. Yeah. And I feel like that's that's the Area 51 case where it was this huge conspiracy and it was just oh they built drones there and and it just doesn't feel good enough and the problem with with specifically things like area 51 like the government wants to feed into that myth to some degree because the less we actually know about what's going on there the better for the projects they're working on so they're not going to actively dissuade people from assuming that they're looking at alien technology because then 
the hope is that keeps them away from getting closer to what is actually being worked on there. Like, it all, it all makes sense when you have the explanation, but like you said, sometimes that explanation is just kind of boring. It almost feels like a letdown. Yeah. And I think that's why that conspiracy theory, as much as it's been debunked, still hasn't quite died. Right. I mean, it's why, but like before the end of the year last year, everybody was doing that, like, let's go raid Area 51 thing. Like, it, w- it was fun and silly and everybody mostly seemed pretty in on like the ridiculousness of the joke but i also don't think it would have spread as much as it did if we didn't have that like cultural need to feel like there is a mystery there is something being hidden from us just a little bit of hope yeah that area 51 is still a secret alien right like there's just it doesn't quite go away and it's i I, that i understand why people need to feel something like that but i i think just to you know Put it as bluntly as possible. If if there was something crazy going on in Area Fifty One, this is the government that would have let it out. Like in between twenty sixteen <laughs> and twenty twenty, we had enough like whistleblowers and like crazy stories going on that like unless it's so top secret, they're somehow keeping it from like the White House right now. Th- they would have found out, and some idiot would have like tweeted it out by now, and. That's just the cold hard fact. It's the same reason I no longer believe in Sasquatch and Bigfoot. Maybe there was something out there a long time ago, but we have enough camera phones and stuff now that we would have fucking caught him. We would have found something. Yeah. It's yeah. As much as finding Bigfoot is a fun is a funny show that you mm-hmm. can watch when you're in a hotel room and there's nothing else to watch. Um, you know they're not going to find Bigfoot. No, I, I do. I did genuinely enjoy when they were explaining the different calls for Bigfoot. <laughs> hey, I've not seen have this. Have you ever seen Finding Bigfoot? Maybe an episode. I didn't okay. know they were doing calls. Yeah, so there's there's the call for the Bigfoot, and that's how you attract him sure, sure. towards the cameras, of yeah, course. Of yeah, course. yeah. So, he, yes, there's actually, like, Sasquatch calls. The is, call of the Squatch. Is this a profession you can, like, you can learn and study? Yeah, or? the Squatch Hunters. They're on Finding Sasquatch. That's, um, so I, I remember watching this, like, very, like, on a family vacation. Like, mm-hmm. we had taken a night off of backpacking because it was raining or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were all sitting in the hotel room and there was nothing on. We ended up watching Finding Bigfoot. Because they were sitting there in the dark making squawking noises by cameras waiting for Bigfoot. And that's just, that's just good entertainment. Sure. Like, if you didn't put that on camera, I would be offended. True. I mean, like, look, that deserves to be put on television. Once you have that recorded, you are putting that on TV. That you, is... You have to. Just for pure wow. entertainment value, I like Bigfoot and Sasquatch just because they're kind right. of fun. And I, I feel the same way about a lot of alien conspiracy theories mm-hmm. where they're... They are kind of fun. And for the most part, as long as they stay fun and harmless, conspiracy theories are okay. Like, they can be kind of fun to dream about crazy Mm -hmm. explanations for stuff that we know in reality probably has a really mundane explanation. Mm -hmm. But it's fun to think about. Like, I think Roswell is a good example of a... This is kind of fun to dream mm-hmm. about, but kind of went way too far yeah. for a while. People wanted it to be much more of it. Like again, it was. It was. It seems like it was probably at some military thing they were working on at a nearby base. They did not want the public to know about it for all of the reasons you don't want the public to know about the weapons you're working on in like the 1950s. And because, in in a weird way, I think the government's greatest weakness and biggest failings is their reliance on secrets. So they, they were like, we need to keep this hush-hush and we'll just let the American public believe whatever because that helps us keep our secrets. And so I, I think it ultimately 
backfired on them in some way where because because they kept it a secret it made it seem like they had something more interesting to hide than they actually did. Right. So when I was looking at Roswell, it essentially seems like there was an Air Force balloon crash. Yeah, that's... Right after World War II, but then stuff started coming out that the debris came from a flying disc. And without getting too into it, like, the, the big picture everybody associates with Roswell of, like, the little little uh, green alien body was super fake, and, like, the grandson of the woman who took it discovered it and basically was like, oh, yeah, this is not at all true. I didn't know my grandma did this. Whoops. <laughs> That's funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's again, I think a good example of something that just spiraled. Yeah. And... When it's, I, I think, to kind of drive home a point, th there is a difference between a, a UFO, an unidentified flying object, and what conspiracy theorists automatically assume or will tell you is, like, sign of an alien visiting Earth. Right. There are there are UFO sightings every week, every month, I assume, but just most of them are probably it's a weird drone that a kid from Ohio isn't going to recognize or whatever. Like it's a random series of flashing lights from like only God knows what that some random kid from you know Indiana is just not going to be able to recognize right away. So that becomes this self perpetuating myth of like, well, I saw this thing, but I mean. It doesn't, to me, I do think it doesn't limit the idea that there can be sightings that aren't necessarily from Earth. Like, have you, I'm going to, I'm going to try to avoid using his name, but um, Jay, a friend of ours, has he told you the story of uh, out on his property when him and his family saw, like it was fleets of, I think, just these square, or not square, uh, triangular lights floating through? No. I, I kind of wish we had we had talked to him and just recorded something. But he, I mean, he's told me a couple of times. He's just out on his family farm and he just kind of went out. Him and his family all saw these strange lights that they had no explanation for and then gone. Hmm. So I, I think there is, there is stuff out there that even if it's not aliens, there are, people are seeing things that we just we don't have an explanation for right now because it's... I mean, I think the Venus thing is a perfect allegory mm -hmm. for that, is that there's not necessarily aliens on Venus, but there's something interesting. Right. And so that's kind of why I say I don't want to, like, dismiss that kind of stuff, and it's not necessarily that I think it's aliens. Mm -hmm. It's that I think that there might be something else that's really, really interesting that we should look at. It's... I, I do... So I, I am a little more in favor of, I think we should keep the idea that it, it could be aliens open, but I also think people who are telling you it's just aliens, it could only be aliens, are ultimately missing the point. And it's almost like the, the sunk cost fallacy where if you've invested your whole life in being like an alien UFO truther, you're going to look for whatever evidence you have that's going to support your theory. And you're not going to talk about all the other stuff that makes your theory seem a little less valid. Right. I mean, it's the it's anything that happens with as you're building a conspiracy theory. Yes. You throw out information and facts that are not helpful mm -hmm. to you while you're building the case for this thing that will probably make less and less sense as you make it bigger right. and bigger. The the more you need to justify what you think the truth is, the more you're you're being less objective about what is actually happening. Right. Because you're looking for the evidence to support yourself. I don't know, I mean, I guess. The only question we can really ask at the end is, are aliens real? I... You don't want to answer. Well, it's one of those things where I, I think that, like I said at the beginning of the episode, it's hard for me to think that in the entire okay. universe, okay. 
we're the only source of life. So do I think that there's something, some kind of life form on another planet? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do I think little green men have come to Earth? No. <laughs> so you are open to the idea that life exists somewhere in the galaxy, somewhere in the universe. Mm-hmm. Probably doesn't look like humans. Probably doesn't even have like bipedal stuff. But like, how cool is that, right? Yeah. That there's completely different evolutionary oh. processes happening on other planets. I'm, I'm with you. That are so different from us that we might not even be able to find them. Sure. Like that to me is cooler than something visited. I'm gonna be totally honest. I think that that's cooler than something visited Earth. And it's exactly know. what we think it is. And it's uh-huh. just war of, war of the Worlds, but the government covered it up. Like the fact oh, that I don't there's. Think it's war of the Worlds. Okay, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> My point is, is that I think that like the idea that a completely different set uh-huh. of life evolved somewhere, that to me so, is cool. I guess to kind of press since we're nearing the end of this, are you open to the, the possibility that a form of life like that, that is not necessarily humanoid in any way, shape, or form, but like evolved in a different way, is it possible something like that has come and just like observed? You Do you even think it's possible that there is something with like sentient intelligence out there right now i don't know about that Mm -hmm. i'm really the thing for me is they came to earth thing is where i run into problems okay because it's like what we talk about where it's the the closest very earth-like planet Mm -hmm. is light years and light years away it would take us thousands of years to even get there so just like the practicality of not only is there any kind of sentient life form but they invented space travel that can Mm -hmm. traverse millions and millions of light years just to come here and do nothing, it seems kind of ridiculous. Like, that to me seems ridic- more ridiculous than but there's what, another kind of life that's so you, doing its own thing. You don't even think maybe there's there they are advanced enough that it's a, a scientific thing and they, they have the Star Trek rule of, like, do not interfere? It, it's just very it's hard for much. me to believe. That's just, to me, that seems very... Okay. Very far fetched, and that's fair. I mean, I'm just. It would, I would need a lot more evidence than what sure, we've had now. One hundred percent fair. I was, I was, I've just felt like it's my job right now to to see how far <laughs> I can kind of get you. Which like, is that how... I I cannot get on board with an alien mm-hmm. conspiracy theory at this point. I, I have not. I don't even want to call it a conspiracy. I I was just curious if you were open to the idea that something could have visited us. I just, for me, I don't really you see can't. how that could have happened. Okay. And that's fair. I'm, I, I'm not saying there is. I don't think there necessarily was. If there is any sort of thing that has visited Earth, I can guarantee you they have never been in contact with anybody in a position of power or, like, done anything that would have been noseworthy or, like, newsworthy enough to draw our attention. Right. Was there an asteroid with some bacteria on it? Mm-hmm. That's a possibility. That's as far as you're willing to that's go. That's about as far as I'm willing okay. to go is that... Yeah, there's an asteroid that crashed okay. to Earth that had some some bacteria on it. And that that is it was an it was an icy asteroid. There was mm-hmm. water there. And that's just something as crazy as we're ever going to get right now. Yeah, that's about as crazy as I'm willing to get. So what do you what do you think of scientists who are trying to look, like the, the golden plate people who like send shit like that out into space? Do you think that's futile? Do you think that's? I don't think it's. I think it's good to dream that that's going to do something. Like you think I we like should have made a better mixtape for the aliens. <laughs> I just I as much as I don't think that they've come to visit us, I It's cuz we sent a bad mixtape. I think we can admit that. I just I think it's fun. We should have sent more prints. 
we probably should have sent a little bit of like, I don't know, when was it sent? In the 80s? You could get some David Bowie in there. I don't know. They probably sent the Beatles. That's fine. I get it. I'm just saying I think they went with a really boring mixtape and that's why they haven't called us back. That makes sense. I could I could believe that. I haven't listened to the Alien mixtape. I actually want to pull this up. I'm gonna we can we can cut some of this this stuff now, but I, I want to see if we can find the full golden plate mixtape right now and see just how bad it is. Yeah. So I think I don't know that, that I would call any of that stuff futile because I think it's really fun to dream that somebody's gonna find that. And even if they mm-hmm. don't contact us, just the idea that our stuff is out there in space somewhere and maybe someday someone would get a hold of it mm-hmm. even if they don't understand it even if they can't play our mixtape because they don't know how a cassette player works because they probably won't have fingers um oh man that, that this, would be really cool this mixtape is so wack do you know what we put on what do we put on it we just put on like noises of earth oh there's uh sounds such as surf wind thunders birds whales and other animals it's a white noise tape? They, we sent a white noise tape. Oh. Like, yeah, of course, nobody's going to respond to that. That is disappointing. Yeah, they're not going to call us. We're great. We got ghosted by the aliens. We definitely got ghosted by the aliens. Oh, man. This is why we should have sent Prince and David Bowie songs. Would have. We definitely would have. If there was aliens, they would have responded to Prince and David Bowie. I think we can all agree on that. I do feel like if, if the aliens find it, it's going to be like thousands and thousands of years from now and we're all dead. And they're going to be like, who the this. So you, your your ideal punchline in a way is eventually another species develops technology enough to discover it. They're finally able to traverse to Earth, and when they get here, it's already just burnt to a fucking crisp. I would not be surprised. That I, that seems like the kind of thing that would happen to us, frankly. Honestly, at this point, that does seem like the most likely. <laughs> that, that, is that all the aliens are going to show up and be like, "Where's the wind?" <laughs> <laughs> We were promised whale noises, and we're finding nothing. Oh, that's depressing. Good. We're setting unrealistically bad expectations for aliens, and we won't even be around to disappoint them further. The aliens were getting turned to the whale noises and came here expecting mm. to or to rave this to whale sonar. And the, oh, we the hunted them gone. already. Sorry, guys. We didn't know you'd want them. <laughs> What like, a... alien, like, exactly what we think it is. Like, these humongous beings show up in a flying saucer. They come in, and they just hold up the mixed hand. They go, where are the whales? <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's what humanity deserves. That's, I'm just saying, if aliens were to come to Earth, that's mm-hmm. what I want. That's what you want. Okay. I want them to have our little capsule, and they just pull out the mixtape, and they're like, show us the whales. <laughs> You promised us whale noises. Where are the whale noises? I don't give a shit about anything else on this tape. Where are the whales? And the the futuristic Earth leaders are going to be have to be like funny story. Huh. Have you seen? So did we send the the fifth Star Trek movie out to you? Because that happened to us. Remember, there's a Star Trek movie where the plot was save the whales. Never forget. Really? You didn't know that? I yeah. haven't seen that Star Trek movie. I've uh, only seen a couple Star Trek Kirk movies. Kirk and Sp- It was either the fourth or the fifth one, and this, the Trekkies are going to get mad at me for not knowing. But <laughs> it's fine. Nick, you're entering dangerous territory here. It's, I, if there's one thing I'm okay being wrong about, it's the pedantic numbers of the Star Trek movies. But one of them, they go back in time, and they need to save a whale because a giant monolith thing is going to blow up the Earth if it doesn't have a whale to talk to. I'm so it's exactly I literally you described I the plot of a Star Trek movie. Described the plot of a Star yes. Trek movie that I I have I promise I came up with that mm-hmm. by myself. Like I've never seen or heard of that Star Trek movie. Be proud, you are just and as clever and original as Gene Roddenberry. So 
take that home to the bank as the creator of Star Trek. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, no, I like Gene Roddenberry. Okay, okay. I didn't know if that was a compliment no. or if you were like... No, no, no. Gene, okay, okay. Gene Roddenberry created Star Trek. The two really good Star Trek shows. Okay. I, so I've seen chunks of original the original, original series. Original series and uh, The Next Generation were both his. And then it kind of it went away from... He was, like, had consulting stuff on the other ones, I think. Okay. I Do you want the Trekkies to... I'll take the heat from no, the Star this, Trek this fans. No, this one was mine. I made No, this no, no. Mistake. I'm saying oh. I'm bringing this upon myself. The first Star Trek thing I ever saw was Star Trek Into Darkness. <gasps> Wait, not even the first like, of the Chris Pine ones? Yeah, yeah. No, the, the Khan remake because Boy. it came out when I was like 12 or 13 and so I really liked Sherlock yeah. and I liked Benedict Cumberbatch. Everyone went through that phase. It's not your fault. And so I wanted to go watch him be Khan and that's the only reason. To be fair, I did go... I did watch the, the third Chris Pine Star Trek movie after that. Underrated. It was significantly better. I I did, but I liked Into Darkness because I had no metric for anything yeah. else. <laughs> and saying. so now I've gone back and I have like an appreciation for mm-hmm. the original series now and it's been really fun. And uh, I, I want to go through and watch Deep Space Nine at some point. Deep Space Nine is the best one. Um, Everyone agrees on that. I just like that you went with what is objectively the least Star Trek-y thing in the, of the Star Trek movies. I know. Wow. I'm saying that that, that started that and 13-year-old me thought that that was... A great movie. And I was like, wow, Star Trek is pretty cool. <laughs> but, but my metric was Into Darkness, which was just panned by the Star Trek fandom. Yep, so <laughs> I'm just saying, if I'm going to take any heat, that it, that's probably what it's going to come from. I'm glad we're going to end this episode by both willfully putting ourselves in the firing lines of the notoriously calm Star Trek community. Yes. This will end really well for both of us. I can't wait. And I guess until next time. This has been an Everyday Dissection. An Everyday Dissection is hosted by Nick Lemmer on Twitter at Lemmer underscore Nick and Ellie Weiss on Twitter at Eliel Ellie. You can find this podcast on Twitter at eDissect and on our website eDissect.podbean.com. Our theme music was written by Evan Zobel and our art was created by Madeline Hendrickson, who you can find on Instagram at art that is no bueno. Like our podcast? Please leave a review and don't forget to like and subscribe. This episode's science fun fact, one of the primary sources for the History Channel's Ancient Aliens is Futurama. Roswell that ends well, I guess.